everyone. Welcome to episode 12 of season two of Contact Lost, the Polish podcast about the Polish and international competitive scene of Warhammer 40k. I'm your host, Tweek, and with me, hopefully now fully healthy, our second host, Joker. Hey, guys. And today, we are visited by one of the best Polish export products, the notorious couple of Polish refs who traveled to Leicester last weekend to referee during the most recent GT that took place in that wonderful city. I give you Tyfus and Pumba. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hi, guys. Thanks for, for, for agreeing to, to come and join us and comment a little bit on how refereeing went. But before we get to that, I think uh, we need to mention some other stuff as well, because uh, the weekend was very rich in, in events um, that happened all over the globe. But I think the most eyes uh, of all of, of most players uh, were attracted to the US Open. So the competition where G-Dubs uh, actually presented some new rules, some new, I don't know if rules, but some new missions. So a question to you. Let's start with Pumba. What do you think about GW's new way of displaying new rules, like an exhibition tournament? Is that something that is now going to become a trend, a thing, or should they just post the new rules on their website and let people, you know, digest it normally? Um, I believe it will become the norm, um, and I myself don't necessarily appreciate this uh, this way of presenting new stuff. Although I completely understand why uh, it has become like that, um, because. What they've done basically uh, is capitalize on the clout they got from all of the like major uh, clubs that they now exist, um, especially in the US and UK. So like Glasshammer, Art of War, stuff like this. Uh, Gunhammer as well, of course, because people from Gunhammer were involved as well. Uh, and this is basically a way to promote the game also to new players, but um, what's more important, I think, is to promote it to the people um, who are playing like on these major events that happen across the, the US and the UK uh, in ITC system. Because most of the, these guys aren't super competitive, but they know who the Art of War guys are or Glasshammer are. And I think this is just a promotional material, basically, for them. They've involved themselves in uh, actually making sure the names that are displayed in there are very worthwhile and they are just well regarded across the community. So I understand mm -hmm. it's like 100% as a marketing move, but for me, it is nothing more than a marketing move. Yeah, it's, I mean, they did do uh, uh, like two things uh, in the same place because I think that was like firstly there was an exhibition tournament and then there was like an actual tournament but with some preset lists and you know players had to adjust to those lists and to new missions and so on. Tiffles, do, do you agree with that way of promoting the hobby or uh, maybe you know competitive and exhibitions shouldn't really be mixed? I, I don't like it personally. I First of all, it was a little bit of shit show with the things that you probably don't haven't heard, like the final itself being a game of Drukari versus Eldari, just because the GW didn't want to uh, another Coven mirror 
so they forced Bradchester to play another army, uh, mm. which is just it just leaves bad taste. So I I, I dislike it, uh, and uh, but I'm mostly influenced by the by what I just said, right? Mm-hmm. I, knowing some some of the behind the scenes, I don't really like the idea, and I know the marketing side of it just basically. Just the fact that people know the names of those players that we're playing, but from like a competitive player's point of view, it was just kind of pointless because we still need to wait for the whole book. It was nice to get some insights what we will see, but it's not really worth our time to delve into those information at this point because there might be even more hiding that Gunhammer didn't leak, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think that it's a it's an interesting concept of GW actually imposing lists on the players they've invited. So they shaped the 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 the, the roster, they shaped the lists, they shaped the missions. It was absolutely owned by them, and they could do everything that they wanted with this. But yeah, but yeah there there was one more thing actually. It was on a such short notice that those people were invited that I think GW was planning for like eight players and they couldn't get those people that not usually won all those events like Richard Siegler, right? Or yeah, Joanna. they gave them what, two weeks, right? Or something like that. Yeah, it was like two weeks. So uh, why? Like, I get it. Like, you want to make it a surprise or, or whatever, but I I've, have a feeling like it was done hastily. And without much fault, but it might be just me. It does seem like that because you know when when I when you think about it, uh, such events, especially if you plan to d- display you know new missions, new content, and so on, probably should require a little bit more thought. So um, I'm not saying that it went badly. It was enjoyable. I did you know watch it in the evening, uh, eating popcorn and so on. So it was. Not so bad. Yeah, we we also watched the Coven Mirror to fall asleep quickly. <laughs> exactly. Literally. Yeah. So I mean, you know, it was a show. Uh, I, I I wouldn't call it a tournament. I, I would say it was a show. And at that, I think you know they achieved what they wanted. Publicity is there. People are talking about it. We are talking about it. So. Yep. Yeah. So, I I think mm-hmm. one good thing will come out of this uh, because GW already kind of hinted on it is that we will have a similar circuit to what uh, Fantasy Flight Games has with X-Wing. So that coming over in next year with like invitationals, like people winning all those huge events, getting invited, and some more tournaments actually coming over to Europe to actually get those good players, not those US ones. Uh, throwing shade again. Yes, yeah. that's what I did. Start. Uh, I think that's that's actually a great idea, and that might even mm, how to say it? it. This might make people who are good and play ma- mostly team events, as we are mostly focused on them, make play singles to actually travel and see all how it works in those sponsored invitationals or like the World Cup, however you call it. Yeah, and there is room for new perspectives because you know Europeans, I guess Europeans played 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 this game 
differently than uh, Americans who have pretty much dominated the, the internet with this. And it was actually quite funny to, to hear that the US Open was won by a Brit. So, yeah. Against an opponent who was forced to change an army, yeah. That's another story. But yeah, most of the people didn't didn't know that when it happened. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fair, uh, by the way, because um, the Leicester GT uh, major with 350 players was just won by an uh, American. <laughs> So that's uh, like a payback or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so maybe let's not focus on you know on the players themselves, but let's focus on the things that GW has actually previewed. So the rules and the missions. Have you had a chance to look at them, and what do you think of them? We uh, had a quick like look, and um, we read the Gunhammer article, and I think we have like first thoughts and hot takes about them. But of course, as the book isn't actually out and there like there wasn't any testing, there these are just uh, like hot takes at this point. But yeah, I um, for me, uh, I'm very surprised by the change of primary missions because I don't think it was very expected. Although I understand where where they are coming from, the missions. Because because what they did, if someone doesn't know, is kind of consolidate the secondary mission objectives to the primary objectives. So you are basically forced to take three secondaries uh, that are not connected to the missions at all. And uh, each mission has uh, its own um, primary goal. And that would probably cause uh, like missions not to be so samey, which is something that happened a lot. Not many uh, mission secondaries were picked during the games and I think they wanted to make every mission uh, completely different. Uh, I would follow up on that and say that you could actually split the missions into two sets. Those that you nearly auto-pick the set secondary and those that you never pick. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. That was, that was what was the choice basically uh, previously, and I think they wanted to make every missions not just like a setup of a deployment plus objectives, but actually make them a little bit different in uh, every each, each one of them. Because special rules, um, not many missions actually even had special rules. Like I, I know the from the top of my head, the uh, sweep and clear, so the quarters and the vital intelligence, so the diagonal deployment had uh, their own. Uh, little um, rules that allowed you to control objectives even you if you weren't on them, if you control them in your uh, command phase. And that was like the only differences that the missions actually had between them, right? So I think the goal here is to make every missions, every mission, like you think differently about every single one. And I think there might be another another thing that needs to be accounted for is that we are playing the same things for over a year now, and it can get pretty stale. Like some games are so similar to each other when you play certain armies, and actually having to kill something because when you watch most people playing win draw lose system, they do not play for killing; they actually play only to get their points. And incentivizing killing models, I think, will result in more, let's say, interactive gameplay. Hopefully. 
but do you think we might be seeing some drifting away from the usual model of um, take and hold, if you will, for, I don't know, maybe some sort of a new mission? that part hasn't really changed. I mean, they've changed the amount of points you can get, but do you think there is some potential to introduce something completely new or not necessarily? I don't think that's going to, uh, going to happen anytime soon. I think they will stick, at least for now, to the primary scoring system that we had previously, um, because the two new missions they showed uh, completely like had the same system basically they just reduced the number of points and converted like some of the points that you get from primary to this special mission primaries but i think holding objectives will just be a little less important i guess because of course you get less points from them now but um i think the whole setup are actually more important right now because you will not you will try more to get 15, previously 15 points so you can actually get those 12 in new setting. So maybe more, you you won't be incentivized to, for example, when you're going second to get three times 10 and 15 at the end of the game and be more interactive rather than focus on the fact that you can just get five more points from primary than your opponent by just sitting in your deployment. I think it very much depends on how actually, how easy are the uh, mission primaries to score in each mission. I think there will be missions in which they are uh, hard enough that the primaries will actually um, matter more, and there might be ones in which the primary, the, the mission primaries, is so easy to score that the the objectives will. Uh, matter a bit less. It also may change to how some armies play in this regard. Yeah, I, I wanted to maybe risk a question. Uh, do you think that with those missions, secondary missions, for example, changing, or from now on, some missions will be possible to be completed by bikers or characters? So, so something that wasn't there before. Do you think that this is going to be, if they continue with missions like that, and they release, I don't know, six or seven missions? Uh, with that standard, do you think that this will be meta-changing? That people will have to adjust armies and, I don't know, bring more bikers, bring more characters because they will be able to complete missions now? Actually, you have missions that can be only completed by characters right now, like Psychic Interrogation. And I would add, I, w I don't actually think it would happen because when you look for those kinds of missions, you actually can see them in Codex Secondaries. So I expect them to be limited to the college secondaries. I think um, I think it, we are basically guessing at this point, which is a problem. And I would much rather GW release like the full set at once. Uh, but I it's, it's kind of um, it's it it makes the discussion possible, and I think uh, it achieved their goal. Uh, but yes, I think. Uh, I myself think that um, armies will be uh, absolutely incentivized to think about the mission primaries and uh, new secondaries as they were previously. Uh, and it might force some meta change. But how much of a change is very dependent on the actual. Like, if you have a set of five missions across your tournament, uh, which it previously was, uh, you it always depends on what the actual uh, mission primaries are. 
because uh, you might be able to now um, definitely score some secondaries. Some of the ones they showed changed uh, enough in like cases of um, the retrieve Octarius data. I think it, now it's called like retrieve Nocturne data or something like this. Um, don't quote me on that, which is now possible to make with uh, Bikerion, for example. And some armies will benefit from that greatly, and some others will just completely ignore that and do it exactly the same way as they did before. Brian, do you have any behind-the-scenes insight as to when that might be re uh, released fully, the whole book? From what I've heard on like Facebook group chats with people who are actually involved with GW, it's supposed to be early January. So perfectly in time so that LVO will be played on the previous rule set, whilst the new will be released. So that's a great timing. So yeah. Damn. I mean, as I guess they didn't want to influence the tournament for which many people prepare for months or weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, I can see a reason for both, but it is what it is. Right, um, anything else to add on the topic of the missions, or shall we now move on to the less I, I, th I think we can tackle a little bit actually the new secondaries and the changes of secondaries. Sure. Uh, I think we can actually talk a, quite a bit about it. I've, uh, what, what do you reckon Pumbaa is the biggest change for you? For um, my armies, um, let's see. I'm mainly a Space Marine player, but I've recently uh, tackled Thousand Sunless. And when I saw the new secondaries, I for sure focus on the new Psychic Interrogation, because it now is a 24-inch no uh, line of sight required action, Psychic action to make, which is very spicy for Thousand Sun players. And analysts, I think, should be able to do it. Uh, pretty consistently. You've got your special like upgrades that you can give to characters to uh, be able to make actions as well as uh, cast another power. So basically you don't exchange all of your casting for making a psychic action. And that's one of the things I will be probably building around as soon as I get to testing. So yeah, that's a big one. Um, I think in case of like Space Marines, I um, in my mind, I think there might be a Ravenwing list that now tries for uh, the new retrieve uh, Nocturne data with the bikers, um, because you might be able to like make them viable through that. Mm, they can have also OPSEC, they've got some pretty nice special weapon choices, and there might be a list that does that. Uh, from like the changes on the engage of all fronts, I think it's one of the most controversial changes because many um, many thought previously that the new domination called Stranglehold is already very um, competitive. You pick it with most armies, I think, over the engage of all fronts, and now the that the engage of all fronts, which was a safer option for most armies now requires you to have a three model unit or a vehicle or a monster unit. So um, not many like um, your, <laughs> for example, Death Goods Assassins in or, or Crusaders in small units or any uh, chaff like single Chaos Spawn aren't actually uh, doing the Engage of All Fronts missions. 
But what is, is for example, storm speeders, right? Or any other kind of uh, speeders in Space Marines. And I think they might benefit from that greatly, from that change, because many uh, armies will struggle now and they have tools to do them. Yep. Farewell, Cyberwolves. Welcome, land speeder storms, basically. Basically, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I would actually also add upon their change to retrieve Octarius data to however it is called right now. That I'm kind of surprised that they changed it because what we found when we were playing that this mission is only taken essentially by armies who, who really done this mission very easily. Like Drukari, like Sisters, etc. And those armies are a little bit unaffected by this change. And furthermore, we saw a lot of race banners high played instead of, of this mission. So I'm kind of surprised that they are changing the position of strength of, of that secondary. But as those armies that were actually good at it will still be good at it. And it only hurts the other ones. But one one other mission I would also note is actually investigate signals. I don't know how it is called uh, exactly, but that's the mission that you need to do being within six inches of the center of the battlefield. And that mission, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Pumba, gives you three points uh, if you if you finish the action in a turn. And now doing the action is actually way easier because you can finish it at the end of your turn with a, uh, if there's no opponent near the objective. Correct. So that, that one can actually be quite game changing. For example, for Space Marines, again, you can, for example, play mission like Sweep and Clear where you need to hold the center of the board and also do the mission because you will put like squad of incursors or vet company veterans and actually do the mission while you kill the opponent because you want to be in the middle anyway. So I think that one is also that change will be will also impact how we choose those missions. But the main main problem with investigate signals it is that it is in the same bracket as stranglehold. So no, no, it's actually uh, in the shadow operation. Oh. So the banners oh, okay. and the new um, Octarius data. Okay. So, so I think it's the... just become very much playable as opposed to um, just picking either banners on the or the retrieve Octarius data. Yeah. 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 So and I think I it's one of the better it. changes. Yeah. 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 I and I really like it, and I don't think there were any others that we actually looked at and we were like, oh yeah, that might impact how we play certain missions or games. Um, there's there is a slight change to deploy teleport homers. I think um, it's very it's quite similar to the one um, they they did to investigate signals. Uh, it's the one where you have to do an action uh, with an infantry or biker unit. Uh, in like you, you do it in your movement phase and used to um, uh, end at the end of your next command phase, which always basically meant the mission is pretty much unplayable because you cannot re uh, reliably do it. And now if you do it with a, a troops a unit, it will again finish at the end of your turn. 
which is a huge change. Uh, and it will impact some armies, very specific armies. I think Gene Stealer Colts might be able to do it very easily, and it might be a great uh, addition to their like, um, secondaries of choice. And I actually think um, Death Watch can kind of do it as well, because it can be done by a biker unit, and surprisingly, Death Watch can have biker units in the troops slot. So it might make them actually very viable for this, because you can zoom across the battlefield, be as close to the opponent's zone or even the deployment, um, and do the mission, score like four points or something. I think it's like two if you're within 12 of the deployment zone of the opponent, or four if you are within it, and just score it like three or, or four times and max it out. That's amazing. <laughs> So, so th this was one of the missions that had the biggest change as well, but only for very certain armies who have a uh, possibility of like very fast troops or very uh, easily deep strike troops. But yeah, it will benefit some armies. All right, I think we've covered almost all of the changes and the ones we haven't talked about are only to no prisoners and bring it down, but they're not that big. Um, they are uh, a little bit impactful. It, I think both of them are actually impactful. Uh, yeah, the the main change which everybody's talking about is that the raider gives out two points, mm. um, which is like good, but surprisingly, um, I think raiders are already kind of uh, in recession, as uh, like incredible as it seems. Their new adjust point costs, I think, did enough to make them already a difficult choice for the Drukari players to spam. And this will yeah, only. I would expect, that. like, maybe three, four raiders maximum in an army. And if you have four raiders, you don't, you don't have any Talosai, etc. So you don't actually give that much away from that secondary. Talosai are still one point, so yeah, like yeah. you said, they don't give up that much. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, so now that we've covered the the missions, new and old, uh, how about we proceed to talk about the Leicester GT? So, um, what can you tell us first off uh, about the event? Any organizational challenges? Any challenges for you to get there? Um, Pumba, let's start with you. So the the actual event ran very smoothly, uh, like incredibly smoothly. Considering it was a 350 players event and there was also like a smaller AOS tournament at the same time, uh, there were no major issues at all. Uh, and as um, many people know who organize tournaments, uh, even small ones can have like delays and stuff. And there was nothing. So I'm very impressed by the level of organization Zach provided there. Uh, the problem uh, we had is that we've got uh, basically the changes to the new COVID restrictions, right, in the UK. So we had to reschedule our flights and fly to London, do our um, day two tests with the 24-hour results, and uh, then travel to Leicester in the same day, all of that. Um, so that was our like main issue but we've managed without much trouble anyway. So I think we're fine for that. 
Yeah, it was just another day we needed to take. I needed to take. How do you call it when you have a free day at office? Uh, I needed to take a day off at, uh, at my company to fly over on Friday one. Initially, we would have been in flying to Birmingham. So we would have been around midnight in Leicester. So I wouldn't have to actually take a day off. But that was the main difference. And I, I got the mm -hmm. pleasure of someone sticking uh, sticking to my nose, uh, actually fraud. So yeah, that, that's another thing. Yeah. Uh, were there any specific, I don't know, safety precautions at the venue itself? Well, you know, the players have to obey some rules or something like that? Or was it still, you know, fairly laid back? It was still pretty laid back because main restrictions apply to people coming to Britain and uh, like public spaces and public buildings. So, um, of course, the like the private event doesn't qualify for that. Uh, people were encouraged to wear masks, and many did, but there were no like uh, hard rules on, upon uh, that. Um, so, how about you said that organ from the organizational point of view, uh, there weren't many challenges. How about the the, the refereeing itself? Uh, when we spoke about LGT, you said that there was this fantastic. Uh, uh, Command center. Well, I wanted to say solution in place. So uh, you had like a WhatsApp group and you could communicate easily. So did that transfer to the Leicester GT as well? Did you, did you use the same system or was there something else in place? So basically it was only S2 plus Zach as a referees and Zach was mostly for like easy questions and calling us over to a table that we've missed as someone was looking for a referee. So. Essentially, it was me and Pumba ruling everything and Zach tr trying to optimize stuff so we can actually help the players in need. So we were scared at the very beginning, but again, the British community delivered. And I don't think we had a case where we actually had three people asking us at the same time, so we couldn't help them all. We had the cases where we had to go to two different tables. And for example, both of them were kind of different questions, difficult questions. So we had to consult with each other how to fix them, but it was, it, it were like singular cases. So I, from like referee point of view, there was probably even a little bit less work than at LGT where we, where there was three of them, three of us and the command center. I don't know if that's also Pumba's point of view about the whole event. Yeah, I was surprised how uh, smooth it all went despite not having the, the hub that we used to have at LGT. Uh, and as, we as Peter mainly said, stayed at the top tables as well. So it's like, we yeah, uh, there were basically um, two, uh, three uh, rows of tables and uh, two alleyways between them, and which we patrolled at all times, or we tried to, as uh, long as we weren't at the actual table helping people. Mm, so there was just no like WhatsApp group, there was no hub, as uh, it was as LGT, but we still managed. I think there weren't any troubles, like major troubles. Um, 
also the 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 field wasn't as stacked uh, with competitive players who were just going at each other's throats so the first tables weren't as heated as they used to be at the lgt because at the lgt after a couple of rounds like the first tables were very competitive uh, and when it happens of course there will be like some small arguments or rule queries at all times to make sure everything is played correctly and one of us uh, mostly neil had to sit there uh, basically all the time now the the uh, atmosphere like was way more chill uh, and still like uh, one of us was mainly able to sit at the top tables uh, day two and the other one just roamed around the tables helping a lot uh, like uh, the rest of the tourney. We were yeah. switching our roles if one of us got tired, etc. So it went really smooth. Okay. Yeah. There was a lot of walking, as, as obviously there, there, there was. I did like 45 kilometers this time, I oh, believe. Shit. <laughs> That's nice. But yeah, um, I mean, I think we both just enjoy the experience of, of such tournament. And if you do, and you like approach people with a good mindset. Mm. Again, the, the the like the the British community delivers in this regard, uh, which I'm keep being impressed impressed uh, about that they check the rules themselves. Everybody has the books on the table at all times. Like if they don't know something, like if I'm standing next to them, not kidding, uh, many people are just looking at their colleagues instead of asking me, and I'm like, do you need anything? <laughs> Sir, I'm like right here. I can help you. But yeah, um, nothing major, I think. Like literally nothing major happened, uh, which is quite amazing considering the size of the event. Okay. So uh, you've mentioned that, you know, there weren't very many uh, top level players in the tournament. Does that imply that the competitive level of that event was lower than, say, LGT? Uh, In my opinion, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Just I think so, yeah. Like, I know I'm skewed and I always look at everything through the lenses of the ETC and WTC nowadays. And from, like, players that represented their national teams, there was, I think, three people from from uh, UK. Uh, I mean, from... In England. From England and, uh, I don't know, Two people from other other countries, like uh, there was Ines from Scotland, and I think there was one more guy from one of those smaller countries on the on the Isles. So, yeah, I think it's the- important to remember that they have such events every single month. It's just one of the. It is a super major because of the number of players, uh, three hundred fifty people, but. Like the LGT is the event, right? It's like the biggest tournament in Europe and everybody goes there. But um, it's not probably f- uh, even possible for everyone to attend every single major event in the UK because they have so many. Every single month there's one. So sometimes twice they rotate twice. around, right? You've and got, amazingly, like, they're always sold out. Exactly. Um, so, so the sheer size and the intensity of them uh, it's understandable that even the top players just rotate and go to like um, every other one or once uh, one in like th- uh, three months, for example. 
so the field isn't as stacked as everyone uh, at at these events as it was on L in at LGT, where they like were all there, of course, because it's the big one that you must attend. So, so uh, did you guys mm -hmm. uh, prepare some sort of a rules pack for the event if it was just two of you really refereeing? Uh, so there's the there's a uh, event page that Zach set up for his events because he has the whole circuit set up, and there's already the FAQ that we've done for RGT basically transferred over. Any new questions about new rules, new codexes, anything comes up, uh, anyone, anybody can just query. Uh, there's a f uh, special, um, uh, what you might call it, like the basically a page in which you can submit your any technical rules questions you've got, and then uh, Zach gets that, transferred it, transfers it to us. And we answer the question, and immediately like goes into the uh, FAQ and the rules pack. So the whole system works perfectly, actually, because uh, if anything comes up uh, before the event, it probably will be uh, answered as soon as we can and put into the FAQ in like a couple of hours. And sometimes okay. it it actually takes us a longer discussion about things. Of course, like, because like some some stuff is flamers, auto hitting and does it auto yeah there's like a ton of technical questions you can have about the game but anything that's uh, not resolved already in the lgt pack or changed uh, is updated uh, before every event that zack organizes and do you tend to rule um in accordance with uh, the wtc uh, faq or do you leave yourself some leeway to what you think the rules should be interpreted as well the, we, our we, philosophy yeah yeah you can you can you can carry on please uh, we wanted to make everything rules as written if possible there were like singular exceptions at lgt but it makes it so much easier and there is no discussion that we were uh, partial and that we wanted to rule something different way. We just read the rules as written, and it makes our job way easier. There are there are situations that we are kind of unsure what the rulebook actually meant. Like we had a longer discussion whether a Celestine that falls back gets strata gets stratagemed, cut them down so that she dies. And then she resurrects on two plus whether she counts as falling back, etc. Still, still falling back after resurrecting. So there are there are like those like very rare interaction. This one wasn't that rare. It actually happened twice, which I was really surprised to be asked it twice. But in those cases, when we are not really sure what, because raw isn't very clear. In some of those cases, we just go with our gut. Yeah, this is where where you just basically make a call, and that's it. You have to go with it. But yeah, uh, in any cases that where it's possible, we go to as close to actual rules as written. Um, like WTC has a very different approach and is targeted at very competitive field of players at the actual event, right? You have uh, very stacked, like best players from 
uh, every country. And in here, most of the field is just casual players who actually I don't I, I I'm not even trying to guess how many of the players um actually read the rules pack and the terrain pack. I think not many, <laughs> to be honest. Like uh, every other time, you get the question about what's obscuring, how does the terrain works, which obviously it was uh, written down in the rules pack. But people just go there to play their five games to have fun, and uh, in such um, in such cases, I think it's important to be as close to the actual rule book that everybody is expected to read before the event as possible. Yeah, not because to those people don't them. don't don't read the rules pack. And I don't blame them. Yeah, yeah. So, they just so... want to roll dice and have fun. Like uh, top players probably will be um, like very much prepared for red rules pack and stuff like that. And the FAQ that we've done, but yeah, uh, I think just going with rules rules as written simplifies things for not only for us but for everyone involved. Okay. So tell us something about what you've seen there, actually, on the tables. Because apart from being refs, you're you are players yourselves. So I've been following the tournament on WarhammerTournaments.com, so the, the the account on Facebook where Zach publishes his uh, videos from the event and so on. And I I think I saw that in one of the final rounds there were many people that had a five zero uh, score. So like they, they won five games basically. Does that mean that uh, you know the, the 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 spread of the armies was interesting and quite big, or does it mean what were the armies that actually reached the top? I know that the orcs won, and that there was a fight with Drukari, I think. But was there a wider spread of armies in the in the top, or or were there just a select few? You know, the top armies, that, the the notorious ones that we see. In most uh, I think it was half of them were Drukari. Uh, a shame. <laughs> and, and there were singular like instances of, I don't know, orcs, uh, dark angels. And, I think uh, Thousand uh, Suns did pretty well. One yeah, yeah. I think there were like three, four, three yeah. Thousand Suns. I think yeah, there it's were important like to remember that the top four players were decided, like um, the actual tournament ended after five rounds right but after that you've got a two round playoffs with a semi-final and final and that is top four players but many people were not expecting actually to go 5-0 and qualify for that and they had to for example drop which happened to the four uh, third, third and, and fourth, fourth player. player did drop they just couldn't attend the playoffs because and i they think ended the actual like 11 sixth PM. player after five rounds won the event itself yeah, so basically uh, the fifth and sixth player, obviously they all went undefeated during the actual event, had to jump in and replace them, which they were happy to. And the actual sixth player after the uh, the five rounds won the whole event with, <laughs> with his orchestra. So, yeah. so, and it's also worth mentioning that those people aren't left alone when they are told that they are playing the playoffs and they are going for the finals. Zach actually reimburses them for the need of sleeping another night or actually rebooking their flights, etc. Oh, so that, it's amazing. not like they are forced to stay, and, but 
if they want to and they want to fight it out to actually win win the event zach makes sure that they can do it but some yeah. people have obligations that they can cannot postpone so naturally a top-notch organization there so so that's amazing okay um, and again, from a player's point of view, uh, did you see any interesting army compositions, any interesting plays or, or the use of units that you didn't expect? Maybe anything that, you know, from, from the perspective of a, of a national team selector that you are, Tifos, uh, did you see anything that gave you food for thought? Mm, no, I was just glad that Thousand Suns finally shown their teeth. Because we are thinking for a long time that they are a really good army, just they didn't have any decent scores. Maybe because they are actually quite demanding army, after all, not like Grey Knights, compared obviously compared to each other. But nothing that would really catch my eye. Maybe Pumbas or something, but the games well, I've watched, like small things, like choices of singular units, maybe something like that. But not something that in a like team level that that's import, impactful. Well, Space Marine is good apparently. Is the <laughs> is the name of the game, <laughs> because uh, Dark Angels made the top four and lost Drukari in a in the semifinal, and one of the players was playing uh, a Death Watch Army of Renown. And went like four one, and again, again lost against the same Drukari that uh, took te- second place. Five. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, Space Marine is good. So, did you finally I manage? To, <laughs> did you finally manage to see Iron Hands in action, perhaps? And you know, do, no, do I, do I, do I, actually, not yeah. a single one. I think. I mean, there were some, I'm sure, but nothing in the top tables. No, I still don't think they are that good. <laughs> And I don't think like uh, the, the the player who uh, who had his his uh, Dark Angels in the semi-final literally had forty terabytes right uh, list. That's skew. Fun and interactive. Fun yeah. and interactive. It's a it's a it's a massive skew, obviously, and it's understandable that he was able to like take many games just by that uh, opponents not being prepared for dealing with such an amount. Of like perma transhuman four plus invon models, but at the same time, there are so many uh, like lists that actually do well against it that I'm still surprised by the fact. He was actually laughing that he didn't meet any of his bad pairings going into the top four. So there is something that. Those Murray, like after all, it's 350 people, and after five rounds, you are left with what 11, 12 undefeated players. Some of them had to get a really nice run with armies they were good against, and not necessarily the armies were really good in terms of the whole field that was played. So, you need to always take those undefeated armies with a grain of salt. Like uh, David, who had 5 0 with. His Renegade Knights, I think he played Castles three times. Something yeah, like that's, that. That's David from Glasshammer Gaming, the the the, cha- the channel and the gaming group that's that's Manny's head, uh, Chima's gaming group, if everybody doesn't yeah, know. Yeah, we were so, though pleasantly surprised when this, when he approached us and just started sp- talking to us in Polish. 
we were really yeah, surprised. Was, and there was, was actually nice another guy standing beside us that's Polish and that was living in UK and he started talking in Polish as well. And we were like, what? <laughs> what are the odds? Yeah. So uh, are the meta at such an event if there is one does it compare to what we have here in poland in any way that's a tough question it's a it's it's a completely different meta i'm gonna say um i think there are many things that will work in both or some things that will work in both and some that completely don't translate and you will get slaughtered immediately i think space marines are the biggest difference here i think there are so many space marines as they are just such a popular faction uh, that you, first off, you come against so many that if you are playing like a better version of Space Marines and just defeating other Space Marines, you can get like a 4-1 finish. Uh, and if, I don't know if that's very representative of like the whole meta, it's just representative of the fact that Space Marines are in a certain place and other Space Marines are better. And the field of 350 players, uh, most of which are semi-competitive or casual, uh, is just causing the other Space Marines to, uh, to, to make better results. But yeah, as I soon would, as I they would... hit like a Drukhari wall, they get slaughtered, for example. When we compare those events, I would also compare the fact that when you go to like a big event in Poland, which is, let's say, 50 people, you actually have like eight, 10 people who want to be within the team, within the national team playing there. And you have like another 10 people who are just behind that skill level. And that compared to how many players, you casual players are actually attending those UK events, that completely changes the perception because in our community, Everyone is basically a power gamer, maybe Compared with the exception of yeah. few people. Yeah, and that changes the whole dynamic completely. So you you cannot directly compare one to the another. Basically, the percentages of of each group of players is completely off, uh, which is a thing. Like uh, I don't think there's uh, much need for the. UK events to become more competitive. I think that people are just having fun, which is great. And, I and we could actually see that like yeah, all yeah. the time. Yeah, people are having a blast at these events. And you can have a blast at Polish event not being super competitive. Don't get me wrong here. It's just uh, percentages are off. Uh, like the fact that there are so many people in one place and there are five rounds is again uh, like you can get a 4-1 or 5-0 run not playing like a hyper competitive super good person which will just not ever happen in our event because the the, the 20 system causes that the amount of uh, like super power gamer gamery people uh, in the events also causes that yeah yeah and if you account that if we even played win draw lose in like 50 man event which we play for five rounds uh, after two rounds there will be like 12 13 undefeated uh, which would be the same thing that happened uh, happens at those events but in our tournament there will be like three more rounds to actually determine who's the winner 
So there's another layer of difference that a lot of players with not a lot of uh, rounds always will skew the perception. Yeah, it's just a long way of saying the metas are not very comparable and it's very visible to us as referees as well, as players in Polish events. Uh, what I'm the most surprised by and which I tried to uh, like, I tried to talk about it with many uh, like gr good players like Malik and David and other people that we uh, got a chance to, Ines for example, yeah, from, from Team Scotland, is why they never play Necrons. It's one of the biggest mysteries for me because um, in in our mind and I think the whole of the Polish community and not only Polish community from what I can see from uh, some like European events, Necrons are really good, especially now after the balance change, they, they, are, they are one of the better armies you can bring. And there are just none there, like couple, I think, or like five, maybe ten. And never on the top tables. But are you I talking from the perspective of singles or team tournaments or both? Both. Even even singles. Both. I'm gonna be honest. Both. Like they are better in teams, I think, but they absolutely can hold their own uh, in in single events. I think uh, people just don't want to figure them out there. Uh, like they they are considered to be a solved problem. That's. Uh, th which has like a year and a half old codex. They are done and like everybody knows what they can do. But I've even there, I've never seen a Tomb Blade on the table. Not at LGT, not here, ever. Which just cannot... And like, when, I when they talk to those players, like top players, they, they all disregard this army. Yes, completely. Like, like Malik, uh, probably they just don't have good enough players playing those armies to play this against. Like Malik was thinking, like uh, he always wins against Necrons with Admech. And our perspective lately is that it's completely not true. <laughs> the Ines and... was talking like, uh, you don't want to bring Necrons because then you have to ha face off against Grenades, for example, and you just get slaughtered. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's uh, not the paper, case uh, from our experience. This is not the case from our experience, right? Like, after some yeah, testing. And, and I think same applies to, for example, we see Renegade Knights as a really powerful army right now. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that. And there weren't many players there. And even David, who went 5-0, he admitted that he, he had no clue when he was building his roster. Like we told him that he can actually score third secondary if he remodels his list and add some points for summoning. And that's a thing that I, I mean, I get why certain armies do not appear because they, for example, do not win by hundred small points. So you'd never get into top four. Uh, and they just win by denying your opponent points. So I get it why in the win-draw-lose system that you have limited the amount of runs, why they are non-existent. But they could still easily get five O's, maybe not get into top four. Were there any Tyranids on the tables? You would expect that, you know, after seeing Manny, well, succeed, take second place at the US Open in Texas, 
that you know hive guard are going to dominate the events and so on so so what happened there I, I haven't i actually i've only heard about one player who i think got his hive guard charged through a wall or something and that was it <laughs> <laughs> were there any other so, uh, notable starting, yeah starting yeah. from the beginning uh there were plenty <laughs> there were plenty of turrets and uh, all of them there was harry done there was a harry done list yeah which is a uh, Biggest model, I can tell you that now. I've never seen it before. Uh, and all of them were running plenty of Hive Guard, at least 12. Uh, especially on the LGT terrain, there are, it's extremely easy to hide them all uh, on the levels of a big ruin in your deployment zone, which you oftentimes get on many missions. So there was a lot of Tyranids. And their, their, their problem was basically the fact that there was also like a shit ton of Coven lists. Which are great against them, because Talons don't care about the the hive guard at all. They just don't. And nearly all games of Covens versus Tyranids that I've seen, Covens went first. So Mm. I've seen I've seen some that the Tyranids started and still lost. Yeah, I think the the hive guards are so inefficient. Like the one minus one damage and five plus feel no pain is actually the best thing you can gather defensively defensively against the hype guard and they just don't care at all and you've got like couple of turns in which you can um, do the damage and then you're surrounded in your deployment zone and, and getting true. shredded mm-hmm. i think everyone a game uh, like drew carry uh, against terrains went this way i think this was one of the top reasons why hive guard didn't make it to the top four they were a very yeah, good list against so I think many two, fields, but not this. I think uh, one for all player, which was Ines, actually got paired against Coven in his last game, and Coven went first on sweep and clear, so he basically had nowhere to run. Yeah, <laughs> and that was a solved game because the list is actually like the Covens are so good against that. They get hard countered, so to say. Do you think we should expect a Drukari nerf anywhere in the near future? In two months? Unfortunately, like... not in the near future, right? Because we already know that the, uh, the points that GW has released uh, previously, like a couple of weeks ago, are the actual co- uh, chapter-approved points for the Admec and Drukari, in which the Talos got a buff. <laughs> Let's remember that. So but I think we maybe, can expect that maybe, in a couple of months. Maybe they will do a quick fix like they did with Drazer and Raider just after the release. And I don't know, <laughs> nerf I, the artists of flesh. I don't know. Uh, I must comment on that because it just hurts me that we are on the fourth or fifth Jukari uh, nerf at the, ta- at the moment and they are still just incredible army. Still, after nine months or what's it's been and like four nerfs and they, they just get nerfed, dominate. so we so we just get smashed by Aldari <laughs> yeah I think they're just waiting for the craft world codex to come out so we have another elves that are shredding us instead of them and then Harley's at some point just to make it fair and square but it gives you know testament to uh, uh, to, to GW that they actually can write a codex that is good and this is or, or too good. Well, it's good internally. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, but, it's, it's mm-hmm. a, that's a fact. They are great it's internally, right? the best right? codex internally in the game. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you look at how many builds they can pull off with that. After four nerfs, there is no, no way of stopping them. Because everything is just so good. It is yeah. kind of discouraging for me as a as like a Space Marine player, for example. But yeah, mm. it is what it is. You must deal with it. So uh, my last question is, you know, about the winners. So uh, orcs. So they managed to pull a win at this event. Uh, I think they haven't lost much competitively. What is your take? Because many people after the the, the data slate release. Uh, were worried that you know orcs that well the changes were too heavy-handed that maybe the changes could have been done in a different way maybe it was just the freebooters that needed a nerf and not actually the buggies because if, you know if you want to run a list of 15 buggies or 16 buggies sure why not just nerf freebooters and so on and yeah they still pull a win uh, at an event like that so are they balanced now are they in a good place now or is there still an issue with them? Well, they are surely not balanced. They are incredible. They are ridiculously good still. And I will be the first person to admit after the balance state, I thought they were dead. And I was completely off with that call. Like, they are great. They are still amazing. And uh, the list that won People the actual event... People just had to take a look at different data sheets. Basically, data yes, sheets. yes, yes. Um, that list that won the Leicester GT wasn't running the new speed mob as well. Uh, so no like 5 plus invulnerable save because the whole army, no obsec uh, bikers, and it's still amazing. You just replace the buggies that you've lost with other ones. Turns out they are still busted for their points. They might be like slightly worse, but compared to everything in the game, they are still absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, and the freebooters are still as good as ever, right? Uh, I think the Just list... Just on different units. Basically, yeah. Um, I think the the list that won run two blaster jets, which are considered very... Like, they, uh, they aren't optimal, or they are. They are just very risky pick because you can just lose them in the first turn if you don't roll hot on the invuns and the opponent has enough uh, anti-air, anti-tank things to, to blow them up. So they are a very like, swingy thing to bring, but in the singles events, if you like get the good pairings, good matchups for that, or you go first every time the, the planes are busted as they can be, um, yeah, they're, they are amazing. Orcs are probably top three army, maybe top two, maybe top one. So there will be arguments about that, yeah. But this is very close still. But I would say they are more skill intensive now, even though they are still dumb. Like now, now you need to think more about how you actually move your models instead of just pressing buttons. Yeah, I guess you don't have nine buggies now, right? Just hiding behind ruins, so there's actual movement phases in the game. <laughs> and <laughs> planes, planes, even though they are dumb, you need to move them smartly so they don't aren't forced to move off the table as soon as they do anything. Yeah, I'm still like I still haven't played against the speed mob, 
which terrifies me to be honest because uh, when I'm thinking about stuff that can blow the buggies up like Meltas, Spam or Lascarons and to think that they will get the 5 plus invuln across the whole army against that uh, just like um, it, it, it just terrifies me to the bone <laughs> the, the ability like the additional ability for them to survive so much like with their minus one to hit Five plus invokers, the whole army still ramshackle. They will be very hard to move off the table, especially with new secondaries. That the small units that were doing the missions will not be as effective. Yeah, I can already imagine like a unit of obsec bikers doing new exer scrambles and stuff. <laughs> By the way, yeah, obviously, and oh. uh, the and the engage of all fronts. Uh, they are still all vehicles, so there's no problem there. Yeah, they didn't get they punished. They have flyers. They have flyers to engage as well. Yeah, yeah. They so, basically didn't get punished in the secondaries in the slightest, and maybe even buffed a little bit. Dare we say that's another well-written codex then? <laughs> no. I think it's a terribly written codex. <laughs> I would say it's the worst codex in this edition. Yeah, Holy I agree shit. with that statement. Okay. I agree with that strong. Statement. Yeah, mm. uh, it's only good around this very specific ramshackle build, which many people expected. I think there isn't much else in the codex at all. Like the infantry is chaff. Uh, there's no real melee like cards. I think there might be an option for orcs to make a list that is decent. Or even good, or, or like there are some options which are just haven't been explored enough because the ramshackle spam is just so bug breaking for many armies that there is no need to explore further. Such was the case with covens, right? Uh, the big of Rutukari, no one even looked at the covens except for uh, the flamer spam, which was prevalent in the very start. Uh, so I don't want to be the guy that like goes, there's nothing else. Definitely, uh, orcs are complete trash but internally between the ramshackle build and anything else there's a huge gap like and even between the buggies themselves like you have scrub uh, squeak buggies scrub just then for a long time nothing and then custom booster blasters and there's uh, apparently there are others uh, nobody heard of them but there are other buggies yeah <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I th I agree uh, with the typhus here. Like the the internal balance of the codex is pretty much not existent. Perhaps if they just bring it completely back, then we might see more variants. And it turns out the orcs are like a mid tier army, or it might turns out that the rest is complete trash, uh, as it's kind of fa like uh, it appears to be not very great compared to what we have now. All right. Um, so, you guys going to referee any other events in the UK in the near future? Yep, we've already been invited to the Nottingham GT, I believe it's called. Uh, in the, the Bugman's bar, or however you call it. Yeah, in the Warhammer world, basically, on the 22nd of January. So, I think we are going. We'll just confirm that and like make our plans. But yeah, I think it's going to be a regular thing for us. 
to 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 hop into UK to referee some stuff. As Zach himself said, he just um, like I think he generally like uh, like enjoys working with us, um, and it's hard for him to find people that enjoy the actual refereeing, which is important because we are still organizing like an entertainment event. You don't want to judge to be rude or like unpleasant towards the players, right? Nobody's going to that. Uh, and the players who are good enough with rules and good enough players on themselves that they wouldn't be like preferred to actually play the event in the UK. And we also can understand the nuances of very competitive play. So when we see people agreeing on something, we will not be strict about rules. We we know how it works actually on the table. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's clear that Zach is, enjoys working with you. Clearly, we are also enjoying working with you. <laughs> so uh, hopefully, we get to 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 invite you to further episodes, and you can give us the you know talk about the intricacies of of the future events as well. Um, and more shade. And more. Shade. That's <laughs> even more. Welcome. No, that's There's that's my enough. domain. That's that, my domain. Enough. Right. Um, I've consulted with with Joker in in the chat, but we are very much out of questions now. Uh, so, is there anything, any final messages, any final shade that you want to throw before we we close this one? Well, about the team tournament that's going to happen in February, I think we'll field the Polish panel expedition to tell some celebrities that they might not be as good as they think they are. <laughs> Can't wait for that. So which which tournament are we talking about? There's gonna be one team tournament somewhere in February happening in Northampton. In UK, yeah, organized by Zach himself, and we got basically invited to that. So there surely um, will be like an expedition to make things clear that um, the UK scene is not as good as they think they are, <laughs> and that Necrons are actually decent. Yeah, that's our point to prove, especially uh, after talking with some top players there. Yeah, that's definitely something to look forward to. So, yeah, we'll, we'll make sure that we cover that as well in, in our podcast. Uh, for now, I think we will conclude. So, uh, gentlemen, it was a pleasure to have you, as, as always. Hopefully, as I said, you'll return to us uh, in the future. And, uh, yeah, we thank you. Thank you, Pumba. Thank you, Tifos. Uh, for your participation. Thanks, Joker, for being an amazing co-host. And, uh, yeah, until next time. Bye, guys. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. Hey,